Hello and welcome everybody back to the Research VR podcast. I am your host, Oz Balabanian, and with me today is Peter Luckoff. Hey, Peter. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, today, it's going to be an intimate two-man show, actually. Uh, we, we didn't manage to um, have a guest for today because we're technically not recording this at a usual, usual time. Um, Monday morning, actually, on uh, September 25th. Uh, how are you doing, Peter? I'm doing surprisingly well, even though the weather is very rainy, and you? Mm, not bad. California is beautiful as always, uh, and we're sitting inside with headsets on, because, you know, <laughs> and so the matter, <laughs> the weather matters way less to us now. That's absolutely true. Uh, today we want to go through a few bits of news that I think uh, the listeners of podcast will find very interesting including the 8k pimax headset that everyone keeps hearing about this crazy new thing that has been taking over the uh the subreddits and twitter and, and the youtube channels about vr um we want to go through talk a little bit about uh, ios 11 being out and a few ar kit apps that are out in the wild and some interesting things that they've been been doing there and as a follow-up to our previous episodes um we do want to talk a little bit about um, the hackathon that you're participating in and, and how you use ARKit in that, right, Yay. Peter? And as well as your um, your bachelor's thesis that you just finished, actually. You guys just submitted the paper, correct? Yes. Awesome. Um, and a few bits of news and, and uh, house household mm. uh, housewarming. Not housewarming. What's it called? House, house cleaning. cleaning. Yay, house cleaning. We'll do that at the end. Uh, we'll talk about Oculus Connect and potentially a meetup that we might have with exactly. our... And also about what you have been doing recently. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we'll clean up the house and we'll talk about that. All right. Let's jump. Let's just jump into it. Uh, the P Pimax 8K headset coming in. Uh, well, they call it an 8K headset saying, you know, it's 4K per they eye. But they have not only the 8K, they have also the 5K version on the Kickstarter project. Mm -hmm. So they basically, you know them from those standalone headsets that have been selling apparently quite well in China. And now they are releasing the 5K, the 8K version, and both are kind of modular. So mm -hmm. they support the Vive tracking, they support their own tracking, you can put a leap <laughs> motion on them, and well, they promise a, a lot of things. Is it a leap motion? They showed a leap motion in the video that mm -hmm. you can mount it. They promised a lot of things that would make anyone like right clicks and buy it. That's like, right. They promised everything you would ever want. It is a very juicy, juicy product. And I think a lot of people have been really interested. Well, a lot of people have been wanting to get higher resolution headsets to watch mm -hmm. movies and read text. Uh, they also are claiming 200 degrees of field of view. Um, there's been a few, uh, there's been a few videos on YouTube this week, uh, no notably from tested actually. Uh, they had a interview uh, with the Pimax guys, and they were talking a lot, a lot about the specs. They're talking a lot about uh, how the, you know, how they're achieving 200 degrees. Um, but the best piece of like technical uh, literature that you can read is coming from Oliver, um, Doctor Oliver Kralos, actually from UC mm -hmm. Davis. Uh, he's a longtime VR researcher. He's he's a pretty big authority on this entire subject of just like hardware um on how to measure uh you know even degrees per uh or you know pixels per degree and and 
basically mm-hmm. everything that you'd want to know as a hardware nerd. Uh, this guy is on his game. Uh, follow him on Twitter, actually. It's OKRaylos, okay and on, on he's very active on Reddit as well as OKDoc. Okay um, so on his blog, uh, which he's been writing for which a few is also years, OK Doc, or Doc OK, no, is Doc Dash dot org, yeah. not minus Doc Dash OK dot org. So it, it's titled "Projections and Distortion in Wide FOV HMDs." And he's talking a little bit about like how the hell they're actually achieving this two hundred degrees of field of view, notably mm-hmm. by stretching the right side of the image by like you know. By X amount, and it's a non-linear stretch. It looks like it's stretching. It stretches out as you go more yeah, to the periphery, exponentially, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which raises some concerns in terms of like, if I see something in my periphery with that headset, is it actually going to be in that spatial location when I look at it? You know, is it going to switch in position? And I think the conclusion was yes. Um, and the other conclusion, which I read on Reddit, and that's coming from Everyday VR, another VR person. Uh, uh, she does a lot of YouTube videos. Um, where, where are my comments? Um, she was talking about that. Actually, it's really, really bad to render each eye with one, let's say, virtual camera, because you're just wasting render renders. <laughs> uh, renders. By the unit called renders. <laughs> yes, unit of render. You're using you're losing a lot of render power by rendering like 140 degrees per eye. Um, mm-hmm. And she was suggesting that you should probably have at least two. Um, but this is something that SteamVR can't support just yet. Like they can only support exactly. SteamVR is built for Rift and Vive and maybe OSVR or whatever. But so technically, as far as uh, we heard in the previous podcast with Dominic Escoffier from NVIDIA, there is a way how they do different level of detail rendering on the GPU level. Mm. But that's something that this NVIDIA works framework takes care of. It. So it's kind of between uh, basically Steam and your GPU. So Steam okay. doesn't even know it happens. So they save performance, but I'm not sure how much uh, Yeah, well, the Primax 8K, 5K headsets will actually support this rendering technology if they just rely on steam then it's just a waste of rendering units right and and i'm i mean it's gonna be no easy feat to actually you know render anything for an 8k headset with 200 degrees of field of view i believe it it actually requires two display port uh Uh connections into your gpu uh like display point 1.4 i think Yes, and remember the episode we had with the VR engineers about the 8K headset they built? That's right. Um, they were basically complaining that when you have two HDMI... Wait, let me, let me stop you. It was a 5K yeah. headset, not an 8K. Oh, yeah, it was 5K, true. But even with 5K, they had problems with um, interferences between two cables. So the panels were not tough to build. You just buy them, you put them in. Right. But getting sure that the screens don't resonate with each other and all those small issues as they described there apparently they seem to solve if their headset works so it's kind of very promising i hope so and they're saying yeah. they got rid of the the lcd smearing that you get you know because the 8k yeah. they're not oled panels these are lcds um somehow they have low persistent panels that they've built i don't know that's that's just what they said in the tested yeah. video like i think our recommendation is wait and see how the hell yeah. these things are um but and 
I really, really, really understand everyone who is sitting there and, you know, has maybe, you know, the $800 too much and they just want to support this awesome project on Kickstarter. And I was close myself because with one thing that I really would like to solve with VR and the pixel density. So I'm really already in love with the quality of the environment, of the games. It's great. Tracking works fine. Everything is fine except the pixels. And yes, getting more GPU juice out of your computer is expensive to render this enormous amount of pixels but just so much tempting you know to finally lay down on your bed watch a nice youtube video or basically finally be able to read text in big screen <laughs> uh, without uh, my eyes hurting which would be awesome and big screen renders the text still in a magical way and read more readable than other right. applications but i just don't trust them as a whole like they have a headset and i tried it this standalone headset and it kind of works yeah it's fine I'm not sure if I would buy it myself, but, but it works. So it's technically doable. Now they have the 5K and the 8K version, and they promise everything I ever wanted in the video. I think they also somewhere, and maybe I just misread it, also said that they have eye tracking in and you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I really want to have it. Just last time, and last, last time, and last, last, last time, there was such a project, and I put my money on. I basically got everything that they promised, but less than they promised. Like, what was that project that you backed? Um, so one of them was definitely the oh god no I forgot the name uh, this Vive controller simulator. Uh, what what was it trying to do? Uh, it's basically uh, making your phone being an HTC Vive. I will have the name in a second. Okay, well let's let's keep moving. Um, yeah, but there was another project. Um, there was another project. I can do multitasking. Um, both both VR. Oh. I have the I have their headset and it's good, but it's just not as much as they kind of overpromised in the marketing videos and that goes on and on and on like even with how was the name of this um controller mio the mio oh the mio that's an armband you mean yeah i mean technically it worked they shipped they totally shipped um but no they all shipped and it's great but it's just it's nowhere near as precise as you'd want it yeah and i stopped buying stuff just for developing right i mean yeah you can you can spend an entire you can spend like an entire salary on just buying developer-based products on Kickstarter that don't end up getting anywhere. Um, Exactly. And I mean, if you're really, oh yeah, there was another project that I got. It was this chair, the VR Go chair. I finally got it after two years and it's really awesome. I just don't need it anymore because, you know, the head controlling and also the trackers from Vive got so good that I don't need it anymore. It's neat. It looks good, but um, I don't know. And the same might happen here. Maybe they will have a delay of two years. Who knows? Maybe I won't have a nice GPU. I think you need so, to be a little bit more selective with with the things that you're backing on Kickstarter. <laughs> like, well, I was very excited, and I'm still very excited about VR. So I was just basically baking everything. Uh, <laughs> that's how that's how these companies make money. I, for the record, have actually never <laughs> uh, backed really? anything on Kickstarter. Yeah, no, like, I, no. I swear, I have. I've never backed a single thing on Kickstarter. Not for any like particular reason but just because every time i'm going to i like read the comments and and i don't know it's there's no real good positive comments for a lot of kickstarters uh there's been a few that i think have been like good companies that have started there like notably pebble i'd say maybe the other ones like avagant with the headsets as well like they all shipped and they actually shipped what they meant to and like they didn't change the design from the initial renders so there's a few no, there's a few I'm, things out there that actually have delivered. Oh, um, also Nolo. Oculus. Nolo. 
Yeah, so Oculus, I actually have here the list of my uh, projects from Kickstarter. The one that was definitely um, recently and very fast delivered was a Nolo VR motion tracking. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of makes your phone, um, like it, you can develop with it very fast applications that have tracking, um, very much HTC uh, style in mobile. And you also can play your HTC Vive games on your headset. That is a daydream or a gear VR. Mm -hmm. In theory, in practice, it means that I need to read the Chinese uh, manual that they have because the hardware is great. They shipped it and it's cheap, but the SDK is very, very raw. And I have a feeling that this is something that kills all the projects. So I have the VR Go Chair, the Superbook, the Bestlet, uh, Nolo, uh, Catwalk. I put a dollar in because I didn't believe them. Uh, guest, I put five. You really have a funny way of of like. <laughs> Of of going against ideas that you don't like by putting money into them. <laughs> oh, I wanted to read the news. I don't know. They, they build it. But in the end, and this is something that I kind of have a feeling that the guys and the girls behind the PK Max will, you know, have an issue with. It's not just hardware you're building. You need to make sure there is an ecosystem. And, you know, every startup those days speaks about ecosystem. I'm not meaning the word ecosystem or not a store. What I mean is, the right. whole development—it's—it's it's a development environment. Development to environment. Exactly. You need developers. You need content. And like honestly, like I would—I wouldn't want to back anything like Nolo because looking at it, it's yes, like they're trying to Look, bring like Vive uh, Steam VR things to a Gear VR by adding STEM like tracking. But like, yeah, it's, no, it's not STEM. No, 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 no. It's not STEM. It works with a base station. The base uh, station's can... magnetic, isn't it? No, it's not. It's uh, the same. It's optical and ultrasound. That's why they use one. So the controllers have actually the same buttons as the ACC HTC controllers, and the base station looks and sounds like an HTC Vive base sounds station. Like it. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> makes us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was $100, and I played around with it, and it shows the possibility. And I also think that the products that the company I'm working for could strongly benefit from such a mobile quick solution because we don't have render intense things. So, just porting in one weekend when I have next time time you know basically our whole unity project to the nolo sounds fun to me so i basically didn't expect anything from them and i didn't got anything from them except the hardware but the 8k headset is something that i want as a consumer i as think a developer i can develop with the dk1 i don't care but i want 8k as a consumer and when i will get disappointed as a consumer i'm really terribly mad whether as a developer i kind of expect companies to be you know not particularly good in anything anyway because everything fails all the time. Uh, it makes sense. End rant from Peter <laughs> on, yeah, on Kickstarter's. Um, well, we'll just we'll just Spend put this money. Out. we'll just put this out there. Buyer beware. You know, like yeah. approach these with as much skepticism that you would with any other um, device out there. There's there's interesting literature you can read in terms of like how it works yes. and how it could work. Um, and the changes that need to be made in the infrastructure of Steam, Steam VR, uh, particularly. Um, but it's interesting. I think rather yeah. than trying to create your own ecosystem, just piggyback off of Steam VR. I think that's like a really good solution because you still have access to an entire catalog of games, and you already have players. So, anyway, we've we've stretched out the no pun intended. We stretched out this this uh, last, topic last, long last, enough. Last small uh, plug last episodes that we were doing with horseshoes, grenades, and... Uh, was it hot dogs, horseshoes, hot and hand grenades, yes. Yeah. 
Anton. At some point, uh, he was mentioning the Nolo mm. because the Nolo kind of mimics very nicely the controllers, but it doesn't add the velocity when you throw things. <laughs> so he was actually even ranting himself that, you know, people buy all kinds of equipment and then they're mad that it doesn't That's support right. it. That's so, right. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, everything. That's right. Ah, my, especially hardware. Like VR yeah. is just so hardware based and like just adding these little add-ons. It's like you're adding yeah. so much weeks and months of work for developers to even want to consider uh, you know, adding exactly. the words. It's just like that's oh. why we switched to augmented reality topic for now. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on to mobile AR, uh, really cool things have been happening this week. Yes, I want to. I want to throw a shout out actually um, to uh, Brad uh, Dyer, D W E Y D W Y E R. That's how you say Dyer, right? Dyer. Um, he built a really cool app uh, that solves Sudoku puzzles, actually. Uh, it's called Magic Sudoku. You just basically point your phone to a Sudoku grid, and it just instantly fills it in. And then it tracks it, and then you can walk around the room and come back to your Sudoku squares, and, and they're all still filled in. It's really neat. It's like, I don't know. I, th these are the type of AR apps that like I think we weren't expecting or predicting from yes. earlier on. And I'm glad that there's now there's access to millions of developers that are iOS developers and you know Android developers that didn't think about AR and VR until like a few months ago, and now they're coming at this from a completely different angle, and they're approaching problems that like we didn't even think VR and AR would be cool for. Yes, I don't. I wouldn't say this is solving like a huge problem, but I think it's no, really no, unique. but it's very unique in one aspect compared to the typical IKEA furniture display applications this uh, apps that you show uh, right now has this um, cognitive ability kind of it understands what a sudoku is it picks it up out of the nature it does uh, ocr so basically from the photo it can read the number right. and then it fills it in so it kind of is going in the direction where it's smart i mean it's very limited right mm -hmm. it's a very plain application but it's kind of is smart regards the sudoku it does ocr it does detection it place the numbers there so it interacts in a very smart way in this one particular application mm. and if you ever wanted to beat your grandma in Zodoku, well now's your chance <laughs> i don't know if i don't know if that it's a two-player game i think it's a pretty single <laughs> oh, it's not like chess. um but you're right there are there's a lot of frameworks that are you know that's yep. behind an app like this uh, a lot of tech tech that didn't even exist five years ago that needed to exist for this thing to exist uh, and now it yes. does. So uh, shout out to you, Brad. Well done. Um, another thing I want to talk about is Blocker by Afternow. Um, I think VR Scout had an article about them. I saw it on Twitter, where it's actually a uh, it's a it's a visual it's a pre visualization tool for like movie making, where you can go out to your outside or in your room. Uh, you can put models of people. Um, they just look really poly polygonated, uh, you know, actors put them exactly how you want to block them in, in the scene and then go around and actually like take pictures. And I think videos of like the shots that you want to create. And it just really helps you pre-visualize um, shooting a movie or shooting a clip before you do it. Uh, oh, like a storyboard, right? It's a, it's an actual real life outside storyboard um, where you're rather than trying to just draw out the storyboard, you're actually, you know, you're in the scene, uh, composing really shots. 
Yeah, it's. Yep. It, I thought it was really neat. Um, I haven't used it yet because, like, I don't really make story-based videos, unfortunately. <laughs> no, um, beautiful. I don't know. I'm, I, I I like to do a lot more run and gun type of material, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was really neat. And I think the, just a few weeks ago, we were just having this conversation and we're trying to pre yep. predict what AR kit will be used for. Um, and this and is just the first thing. Unique. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, this is as of this morning, Sketchfab has released a new update for their app. They now fully support Ooh. AR for every single one of their models. Yeah. Pretty neat. Whoa. So I went in, I went in and downloaded my um, my photogrammetry models that we've talked about here, and you know just kind of visualize them around my room. It doesn't work as like high frame rate as I want it to because I think my my models are also like really huge, like they're upwards of mm -hmm. one million uh, polys, but um, but it's still really neat. I think like once I figure out how to optimize things better for Sketchfab, like I don't want to build my own app just so I can go out, like just so I can look at my own photogrammetry models in AR, you know, like it's, it's, I'm glad that there's a service yeah. that I can just upload to. And then I can just use that. Um, it's the ecosystem. Yeah. You just have convenience and right. you can just enjoy it. That's right. Let's let's there. We're just starting to reduce the barriers between like idea and, and actually execution where you don't have to build everything anymore. It's like, okay, there exactly. we go. So. And even building augmented reality applications really easy. So I was participating in this awesome hackathon. Big shout out to Next Reality. It's association in Hamburg City in, Austin, uh, in Germany, in Germany, mm -hmm. which kind of tries to push, as far as I understood, basically the technology of mixed reality, augmented reality VR to the people. So they're kind of supported by the, by the city itself. And they had a hackathon and we were three people building a application with our kit for navigation. Okay. Tell us what you were doing before. Exactly. It was uh, a way to display um, navigation uh, cues, so basically a line, how to walk in build, in the building and outside of the building. And when you would do it in the building. The building the being off, the airport? The building was the building we were in, but the, it was kind of the virtual airport. So you would basically help people to navigate through and to the airport. And outside of this university building we have been to, that was the virtual airport, it would turn on the GPS and use it additionally to IRKit. Mm. And inside it would just rely on IRKit. And then it would basically recenter itself when it got additional GPS information. And when you wouldn't, would go in again, the map would disappear and you would just have the IRKit landmarks showing you how to walk through this building. Then you would have uh, certain things you needed to reach. So it would show you a ticket. And you would basically reach the virtual counter, right? Because you need to show it. So it was just basically a very neat, small demo of the IR kit technology. And it was basically one and a half guys programming it in one and a half days. So it's very impressive. Cool. To be honest. That's, because, yeah, that's really neat. I mean, I didn't have any Swift experience. Yes. So Maximilian definitely had a little bit of um, Objective-C experience, but not so much Swift. And we coded it together, and he was mainly programming it. I was conceptualizing it and testing it, and it went so smooth. One and a half days, people who never used IRKit before, and we won the second prize, and it was still kind of impressive. So I was like, not only impressed by the stability of IRKit, and I tried to compile IRCore on my S8, which didn't run and crushed, uh, which I don't know why, mm -hmm. but IRKit is... Yeah. yeah, Apple makes it a pretty simple and easy framework to use, uh, especially yes. with like Unity integration. Um, it's it's pretty plug and play. You know, you just need to get 
I think you need a Mac still to, to develop for it. Uh, uh, yes. Right, you need Xcode um, and you need Xcode but 9, but everything's... I was... Exactly. However, one small point is that I actually initially wanted to develop on the HoloLens, and I figured out I cannot because I had a Mac with me. So, you know, <laughs> the HoloLens only can be developed with Windows. Uh, Xcode can only be used on Mac. That's right. We all know this wars between the platforms, right? Everyone, just everyone's still exclusive on, on their own things, but... Um, I don't like Actually, VR is the only, I'd say Steam VR or just kind of general VR, VR development is now the only one that's cross-compatible, right? You can develop on a on a Mac. Uh, basically, yes. Yeah, basically. I don't. I, I still haven't seen anyone using an external mm. GPU on the, with their MacBook, but uh, in theory, really it can be done. Forward. I really would like to do it because my Mac doesn't have a proper GPU at all, and I don't think I can that easily extend it, but I'm kind of excited about the possibilities just you know be on the go with a portable macbook pro just go home plug it in into the external gpu and be able to do whatever i want like to do however i'm kind of skeptical to work perfectly so i still have to try it myself uh one more thing i actually want to throw in here was the uh the news that intel put out that they're scrapping their uh project alloy reference design headset I, I laughed a little bit because I, I was thinking about the, the, right. the terms that they invented as well called merged reality. And they probably won't get rid of that anytime soon because, you know, everybody no. likes, likes their own terms. Um, but yeah, this was this was Intel's sixth off inside out tracking all in one headset um, that they showed off basically this time last year. Um, and and. I tried it, and uh, honestly, like I wasn't that impressed by it a, a while back. They did have some really interesting ideas that they were exploring in there, including hand tracking, including um, this. The, the reason why they called it emerged reality is because they wanted to include parts of your room and like your table and your chair and the things, you know, the obstacles that would might, that would be in your way to be uh, integrated into your room. Uh, plus, they mm-hmm. I think they wanted to do that as a multiplayer experience as well. Uh, however, I think with the the oncoming Oculus uh, Santa Cruz headset, which we haven't heard anything about, hopefully we'll see more um, in a week or two with that Oculus Connect Four. Um, I think they will announce new hardware. They, I'm sure, will they'll show way more about this all-in-one headset because they they announced it at OC3 last year. They're going to mm. have to show or at least like give us the full details, you know, this year. Um, cause okay. I mean, maybe Oculus and it's not as big as Apple, but there were so many leaks about the new iPhone and I didn't saw any leaks about a new Oculus headset or anything. So well, that's, kind of I mean, we haven't heard any leaks from Oculus before. Like that's typically not, they're pretty locked down. It's not like a, it's not an Apple wide hmm. Apple. The, the reason why there's so many leaks about Apple is because the scale that they work in, in terms of like yeah. the phones that they have to build, the amount of testing and iterations that they have to go through through China. Um, plus, they've been doing this for ten years, and you know there's going to be so much. There's a lot of incentive for people to want to leak this out, and the Oculus mm-hmm. marketing actually, I'm sure, has integrated and, and, and designs around you know the the leaks themselves and hype, hype, hype up that way. Um, but Oculus, I mean, like. In the grand scheme of things, nobody really cares about like smaller, uh, smaller, yeah, okay. smaller things like that. It's not going to get hype from the general 
mass public about uh, leaks coming out from there. But going back to Intel here, I don't think it, they they scrapped this because of Oculus Oculus's. No. I think so. Okay. I think it's more in terms of Qualcomm's um, reference. You know, so Qualcomm also has a inside out headset reference design yeah. uh, using the A thirty five processor, which Dragon, yeah. yeah. So that processor is now integrated into like almost every flagship smartphone uh, on Android side, uh, including let's see, Sony uses it, LG, Samsung. Samsung um, who who are we missing here? Pixel. Yeah, that's right. HTC, uh, the Pixels. I'm pro- probably sure, probably a few of the Chinese companies as well. Um, yeah. And and they're pro- Intel's probably thinking like we'll let you know Qualcomm take care of that end, and I think they're going to concentrate more on like their wide gig wi- uh, wireless video transmission systems. Um, hmm. We're talking about. Uh, Intel Optane. Um, anyway, so Intel seems to not want to go into wanting to supply. Well, they were never going to build the headsets themselves, but at least like even supply. Let's see, I mean, isn't Qualcomm a competitor to them? Yeah, total competitors. So if you just said that they will just let Qualcomm do it and don't do it themselves, there is basically one reason because they don't believe this is a profitable business. Well, yeah, because nobody's using Intel chips in in their phones, right? Like, everything's Qualcomm-based, as far as I know. Um, uh, Intel chips have been used just a few times, so mostly it's just Tegra or Kirin. Mm-hmm. Kirin is from... Uh, uh, Kirin is from uh, Huawei, and you have the, oh, this non-pronounceable chip from Samsung, but <laughs> half of the smartphones, they can't pronounce it properly. Thanks, you something like okay. that. They have their so half of the S8s is actually their own processor and half right. Snapdragon. That's right. But mostly every flagship phone has indeed a Snapdragon processor or at least ARM based. So I'm just not sure why Intel is just leaving this market, not trying to invade it. I don't know. We might need more information or, or better yeah. analysis. If anyone, is want to leak, if anyone from our audience wants to leak some secret <laughs> documents, I have a Gmail address. So you could just email me. You don't need to leak leak anything. If you have thoughts or, or ideas as to why um, Intel is actually, you know, ditching their, these efforts, uh, we'd love to know your yeah. your ideas. Actually, tweet at us uh, at Research VRcast. Um, we'll have this episode posted there, and you can probably just comment onto it. Or if you don't like Twitter and you have a Facebook account, we'll have this also on our Facebook page um, at Research VR Podcast. Um, you should find us. At there wonderful um and next topic next topic i think we want to talk a little bit about your paper um yes and and then about you and then we'll talk about the oculus connect four okay and then we'll talk about me (laughs) perfect okay to sum it up i'm not sure if i'm legally allowed to speak about it but i will just do it i submitted a paper at a conference called vrst 2017 okay it's a zgraph sponsored conference and the paper got accepted, and now I'm just in the process of finally making sure that the LaTeX uh, template is working. Um, so the paper is about the influence of cognitive stress on pass integration, and basically Wait. what we did. What it, what does that mean? Cognitive stress exactly. on what? On pass integration, which is the ability to integrate the path you have been walking previously path. and know where you are. Path in integration path. for audience. Because <laughs> yes. I keep hearing yes. path integration and I don't know what that means. Oh, so you're, you're, yeah, I, I just want to help code your, your no, brain here. You're, 
because it's you're, full of information. You're very passionate. You're, you're very passionate <laughs> and also very patient with me. Um, We're just helping each know. other. It's all good. <laughs> yes. You, you're you're interested in looking at how cognitive stress is af affecting your ability to find a uh, home yes. or find where exactly. you came from. Okay. Yeah. So imagine, and this is a task we had. You walk in a triangle. So you basically start to walk in front of you towards the landmark. Then you go left or right, and then you have to say where you came from. It's a triangle completion task. Mm. And um, during that primitive task, which was the baseline. There were spheres. It was all happening with the DK2. So mm -hmm. Oculus DK2, you were sitting in a chair, rotating, running with a controller, and the spheres were flying towards you. And there was a time window that you had to react, and it was a difficult condition and an easy condition. And the difficult one, you had less time. And when the sphere exploded, you go, you became slower. You got stunned a few seconds, and your moving speed decreased. Uh, you got a bright flash of light in your eyes. The controller vibrated, and you lost money. So, or at least some part of the payment. So okay. it was kind of not very desirable that the sphere is exploding and you wanted to defeat it while you still maintain the task of walking in this landmark. So there were no landmarks except for the triangle completion task itself. So this was a star uh, field grass uh, environment. So basically above you were stars and below you were beautiful grass from Unity. Mm -hmm. And what we did was measure your skin conductance mm -hmm. and your heart rate with a very reliable sensor that you can all hack yourself from cooking hacks. You can actually just mount it on an Adreno or Raspberry and it measures all those um, information. It has like over nine sensors. We just use the skin conductance and heart rate. Mm -hmm. We did the heart rate variability and the skin conductance analysis. We had a short state stress questionnaire, SSSQ, and also a few other questionnaires that you can later on read in the paper. Mm -hmm. And what we ended up with is wait before really before you get there but what yeah. was your hypothesis going into this exactly did you project? Yeah, maybe maybe it's worth telling it the hypothesis was that the ability to navigate should be better under a certain stress influence but with too much stress it should drop so baseline versus easy should at least we had this idea that during the easy condition where you had a little bit of stress you would just navigate better than in the baseline, and when you had too much stress, you would navigate worse. Hmm. Why did we, you Why did you predict that, like, just walking, you know, baseline would be lower than having some kind of arousal or some kind of stress to help you find uh, your path back? There were many factors. One of them were the subjective interviews with subjects from previous studies with a few space navigation belt. Okay. I've talked a few times in the podcast about what's just basically this belt that navigate that, with no access. Vibrating a lot of belts. Studies. For blind people, exactly. basically? Yeah, right. exactly. But before it became for blind people, it was used to kind of augment or substitute your sense, uh, your senses by showing you the north direction all the time you walk. And in the subjective questionnaires uh, or in the subjective interviews, subjects were uh, reporting that during stress, when they had to run for a bus or they were you know, kind of aroused, they would use uh, information from the belt more. And there were also a few other studies that we quoted in the papers that showed that when you basically have to do a task like navigation and your cognitive abilities are not completely taken away by the surrounding or by the stress itself, it kind of pushes you more to be awake, aware. So mm. even though it's very boring to walk all the time in a triangle, and when there is some gamification factor, you're supposed to be more aware, right? That kind of made sense, but that's a problem. As far as we understand the data and the experiment, we did not induce enough stress to 
make sure that there was strong influence on the navigation itself. However, we showed that the ecological validity that what we were arguing for, and with ecological validity, I mean that instead of, for example, taking the environment in the lab, take the lab into the environment, and that way, no, vice versa. Instead of taking the lab to the environment, you take the environment into the lab, and instead of just having a screen with one dot projected there and your EEG data spiking, you have a more complex situation like so, driving a car in traffic I'll, I'll, that resembles more the real world. I want to revisit the idea of ecological validity. I think we've talked about this way early on in the show. Yes. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit of what that means for, for the new listeners? Mm, so the idea is that is it based um, yeah. how much your scientific research data or your scientific discoveries are generalizable regards the whole world. So let's say is there is a red dot all the time popping up on the screen and sometimes a blue one or vice versa, then you would have the P300 spike in your EG data. Now, if we go to the traffic, will you have the same spike if all the time there is green light on the traffic light, but, but sometimes there is like a red one or the yellow one. So how much do we understand about, or how much can we learn from the data we generated scientifically um, compared to or or how much can we generalize the knowledge we gained to the real world? So how because you're controlling so many variables in, a, in yes, an experiment, exactly. sometimes it's it's not valid yes. to like extrapolate yes. that conclusion exactly. to the real world. Okay. Yeah, and that way we argue that with VR, it's way easier to just basically have reproducible complex environments. Mm. And usually, you don't do a complex experiment setup because it's just complex and you never get good data. So you you're not lazy. You just strive for the best data, and that way you make the experiment as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. But with v VR, as we argue, and many others, it's very easier to reproduce and have the same over and over experimental setup again in any part of the world that is pretty complex, because you can control every aspect of your virtual environment. And what we argue in the paper for is that we showed that you can induce cognitive stress or at least arousal that is very close to cognitive stress with virtual reality. Mm. And you can modulate it because between the baseline and the hard tasks and the easy tasks, there was a difference. However, we could not basically test if there was a proper influence of the stress on the navigation. So the novel part of the stress induction method worked out, but we would need to refine it or improve it or anyone else who wants to repeat the study right. to actually answer the second question. Cool. So do you realize ba that basically VR is really good at yes. inducing stress or at least like finding ways of modulating stress even? Uh, I, would, I would say differently. VR, it, it's very good to use VR to induce stress. Like right. It's not the VR that induces stress, no. but it's rather very good to use VR as a method to very um, softly and without damaging the subject, without putting his hand in cold water, induce the type of stress that we wanted to have, the cognitive stress. And it's and re 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 yeah. replicable. Repri yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Replicable with like minimal differences yes. between participants. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's really neat. I mean, uh, I mean uh, VR, I think that's, that's how I got introduced to it as well as a tool for research rather than like, you know, as a tool for... Uh, games or tools for whatnot too is like oh this is something rather than trying to spend thousands of dollars building this testing environment you know in real life you could actually mm -hmm. build an immunity and prototype way faster um and, and it's really neat for that reason and and, and i think vr is going to be start start to be used in a lot of different labs for reasons that you know probably aren't 
the most uh, classical <laughs> reasons why you'd want to have yeah. a VR headset in a lab. And it is already uh, developed. I will actually link a few papers that I quoted in this uh, VRST submission that show particularly more examples of the cases where people use stress and VR, anxiety in VR. One is from the Max Planck Institute mm -hmm. in Leipzig, which I actually visited myself. And it was a pretty complex setup because they used like pre-Vive technology, but mm. they also managed to modulate stress very nicely. And the other study was actually done by a guest we might potentially have at some point, mm -hmm. because we asked him, he's a professor from Hamburg, um, and they basically checked how much redirected walking induces stress, and how much redirected walking, it's the same, this is, I mean, read the paper to be more precise, I read it, and I read many other papers, because I had like the submission deadline, my brain is cooked. But I think they checked how much redirected walking influences your ability to do something or how much stress it influences. And they figured out that if your room is big enough and you don't do strong enough uh, redirected walking, it's kind of fine. But it's a certain threshold. It's kind of bad for yeah. the performance, whatever. I'll, Super exciting. I'll say this. I, I think people should really stop pursuing redirected walking for consumer-based, like home-based yes. things. I think it's like yes. so, so limited. And yes. how, what you can actually do. And the only places that I've actually seen it do well is like places like the void, I think, where you have a big enough space, it's an insulation based VR and like yeah. you have a specific app or yeah. thing that they're walking through and, you know, redirected walking works for that specifically because they've designed everything for that. But like, it's, it's really hard to, to make something <laughs> like that work for like many different apps in one room and different room configurations. Um, anyway, this just, yeah. uh, just talking about a subject that we've covered like way in the past. And I think our opinions have changed since, uh, like we've started this podcast. Was it early 2016? Yeah. Must've been right. Um, before, yeah, a little bit before the rift and vibes were up. I think we all had different ideas as to like, uh, which which research will start to make a bigger impact into uh, the industry and how and what people can learn from, and and I think I've changed my tune in terms of like even locomotion, um, in terms of re redirect walking, and uh, now I'm I'm a big advocate advocate for like more abstract movement rather than like trying to replicate real life things, um, and and going back to like gamer movement mm -hmm. almost like. Um, Anyway, that that was just a side note that I want to throw out there. Um, well, nice. well done, Peter. I think uh, you know you're 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 using VR in a really new and novel way, and and, and I'm glad that uh, your yeah. lab is starting to pioneer. Thank the you future. very much. Thank you very much. I'm really glad that I have this wonderful professor Peter Koenig, who I hope I will also get one from this podcast. Yeah. Um, that uh, managed, you know, to get the grant and was supporting it. And were like more than me working on it. Mm -hmm. it was, like over 10 people in the beginning. And uh, the paper part was done by four people, including my professor. So, you know, thanks everyone. And another part of my life. Hopefully soon. <laughs> um, for our listeners, if you yourself are in a university or school or just kind of like tinkering and trying to learn things about human beings about brains or just about vr itself uh let us know what you're working on i think we'd love to like hear about it we'd yep. love to talk about it and maybe even bring you on to the show uh to discuss some of that so i know a lot of our audience are you know like developers and tinkers so let us know i think this is really interesting 
you could, like I said, tweet at us at, uh, at Twitter at Research VRCast, but sometimes 140 characters is a little too short, which a lot of times then it go is. To Facebook. Facebook, or you could also email us at uh, yes. researchvrcast at gmail.com. Uh, all these links will be in the show notes. And if you ever come to our episodes, I promise not to ask mean questions. Um, I'll I'll keep Peter on a leash so that he won't be the the main guy that he usually is. <laughs> OC Oculus Connect, Oculus Connect, baby. Uh, OC four is coming around. Let me find it. It's I th- I believe it is October. Um, fifteenth. I thought I thought it was eleven. Let me check. Let's connect. Oculus uh, October eleventh yeah. to twelfth uh, at the San Jose Convention Center. Um, so I'll be there. That's really exciting! Yay! Yay. Um, I'll be there. I'll be there with uh, Sarah Liesel Vogel from uh, VR Base, and she, she also the uh, lead developer behind Lucid Trips, uh, also an awesome uh, app. Maybe I should do a podcast with her, actually talking a little bit about their locomotion system, which is really neat. Um, Definitely. So I'll be there, uh, and this time, rather than being there as like press or media, I actually really want to go to the, the talks and sit down and just like learn. Um, cause I, I miss a lot of those for the previous conventions that I've been there. Um, and I kind of want to do a little coffee, get together, meet up, uh, <laughs> Peter, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to make it to this conference. Are you? Nope. Um, this time I can't. Fortunately you won't be, I'll be there. So our audience, I want to get a, like kind of a, a ballpark idea as to like who else is going to be there. Uh, I keep throwing our Twitter handle out, but yes, please tweet at us uh, when uh, when you hear this that if you're going to be at the uh, at the show. Uh, we'd love to meet up with you. We'd love to talk. We'd love to get some ideas and some real FaceTime. Um, being in a podcast sometimes is is a is like yelling into an echo chamber because like there isn't the real time feedback. And uh, this episode, we're not live streaming either, so we're we're not getting that instant feedback either. Um, so yeah, let us know in terms of that. Hopefully I can organize like a, uh, I can schedule a real event, uh, a real, I say quote, quote unquote, um, <laughs> and we can do something really fun. So that'll be- use a chance, get his hand shake, <laughs> get an autogram on your chest, buy him a beer, brush his hair, <laughs> do all the weird things he always wanted to do. <laughs> you know what beers that, that might be the event. It might be like after oculus connect like maybe we'll get some gear beers and and some yeah you know that'll be nice um, yep. and other activities yep. so whatever feel deems appropriate for the time being um, and you can also ask us about what he's been doing lately and he yeah describe it now and you can ask more questions in person um i've before so i guess i can talk about i was going to talk about some future episodes we'll, we'll come back to that yeah okay. somehow housekeeping now housekeeping now i'm cleaning the house okay um, oh my god he's shoveling virtual that should be a sound bite just like housekeeping and that's like yeah <laughs> knock, knock 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 um so i've been yeah i i've for the past month or two i've started my own production company and and when i say production i i mean in terms of like i call it a creative production agency and and what that means like it's way it's a little bit broader scope than just a normal video production you know company that does weddings or whatever like i i mostly specialize in helping vr companies make trailers mixed reality trailers um 
a lot of videos, marketing collateral, working with camera companies, um, with experimental cameras, like Yi is one of them uh, out of China, uh, a little bit with 360 there as well. Um, some aerial cinematography, and I think we've talked a lot, a lot about that before. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, yeah, a lot of the projects that like most other one-man teams wouldn't take on, I do, because I... I have a pretty niche amount of skill set. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it's been really cool. I mean, uh, it's, it's nice working for myself and for <laughs> on kind of my own time accord and I can work whenever and, and more importantly, wherever I want to. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was in, that makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was in Denmark uh, about a week ago um, at the Copen X conference kind of talking about the inherent problems of, of, of marketing VR um, and how and kind of analyze the factors of like virality, the factors of like what mm -hmm. makes a certain video or a gameplay clip go viral um, and how you can kind of like figure out those factors, try to inc incorporate them into your uh, experience and, and lay the factors, you know, seed the factors into your app so that you, there's more user generated content, content that Is at the end market talk recorded. Um, it was recorded. Yeah, it was a pretty professional setup. I haven't seen the video yet. I don't think it's posted anywhere yet. Hopefully, it will be soon. Yeah, we will link to it. So that was really neat. Thank you for Copenhagen for inviting me out there. Uh, Copenhagen is just probably one of my most favorite cities Ooh. in the world. Um, I'll say uh, that in Berlin, I think, have been one of my two uh, favorite. I think recently that I've been to, and in terms of like the companies that I've met and the people. Um, and I think I'll be there again soon. So maybe we'll do a meetup in Germany next time. In Berlin. Oh, it would be Berlin awesome. would be incredible. I mean, half of our audience, I, I, or not half, the top... Not half, the one third. One third, but at least the top two uh, audiences yeah. from our podcast are from one from the US, the other is from Germany. And then I think the yeah. next is like Britain and Canada and Australia. Yep. Um, so yeah, hello to all our German friends. We, we should do a fun meetup and uh get full of german accent <laughs> um for yeah for listeners out there i mean if you guys need help on getting videos marketing collateral i like i specialize a lot of, as well on like optimizing social media content because like i post a lot of things and i know what work uh if you need help on that end like uh let me know because what i've noticed even with like Big companies with huge multi-million dollar marketing budgets like mm -hmm. they said they don't know what the hell they're doing dude like they have no idea how they should approach vr who their actual market is how what the market is looking for what makes them cringe like there's a lot of that that um, a lot of people don't know so i try and uh, a little bit of alleviating that that pain um so you can reach out to me at azad ux uh, on twitter or you can see my work uh, on Instagram at AzadUX. I, I post all the pretty stuff on, on Instagram and all the tech and VR stuff on Twitter. Uh, they're like totally, yeah. dude, they're like totally different sides of my of my personality. I think if you look at my yeah. Twitter feed and my Instagram feed, it's like one is like a travel like travel <laughs> photographer, videographer person, and the other guys like sitting in a basement, you know, working, like working on VR, reading VR patents and, uh, uh doing yeah, you, you really tech it. things. I mean, yeah, you know, they're just, this is, this is me. I, I like to do many different things. Um, and I think each platform has its own appeal and like, yeah. you can't like, if I swap the two subjects that I concentrate on and Instagram and Twitter, like they wouldn't work on the other platform. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I look forward to, to hearing from you guys. Uh, l- let me know if I can be of any help. I've been I've been helping HTC make, make some trailers recently, and uh, it'll be really fun. Lots of, lots of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, book Azad now. <laughs> book book with the promo code of Research VR, you will get a five percent discount. Five percent discount. I like that. And maybe a, a shout out on the on the podcast when the trailer is out. Recently, actually, there's the the trailer for also also VR came out, which is a medical VR trail uh, medical VR app training. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting uh, app actually. That I, I had a pleasure of, of shooting a mixed reality trailer with a Rift actually using the Oculus Ooh. tools. Uh, I haven't seen any other Rift MR headsets or MR trailers out there yet, so. Very one of the earlier huge. ones I'm happy about. Um, so you can also find that on my Twitter. I posted that. There. Nice. Cool. I think that's enough of uh, of housekeeping from my end. Is there anything else I want to talk about? I'm flying a 360 camera on a drone today. It's going to be really fun. Ooh. Yeah. I have a Typhoon H, which is this hexacopter drone that oh. I found a guide to building this Gear VR um, version and and I, that, I got that working, and now I'm, I have the Yi 360 camera that's not even released yet, and I want to see if it looks good. It, it shoots pretty nice quality video. Um, we'll see how that one turns out. I expect the footage to be on your Twitter. Um, yeah, hopefully, I think I think it will be. Um, I've been really impressed by it. speaking of 360 cameras, the Insta 361 I think is really neat. Um, yeah, because I think they've gone past VR in terms of like. Uh, just appealing to VR, you know, use a 360 camera to make VR. It's no, no, no. They're like, let's use yeah. 360 cameras as like a way of like capturing way more. And you know, the little planet view I think is really interesting. They have something that they call bullet time mode, where they you put the Insta360 on a on a uh, selfie stick and then you spin it around yourself, like literally, like you grab it and then you spin it around the the whole selfie stick. But it records this super cool like matrix looking shot that kind of, no. it's almost like a mini drone that flies around you and it's in slow-mo like bullet time and it's just like you, you, you can imagine what that looks like just think That's of that impressive. Style. um really yeah, neat. Yeah. I, th- I thought like you know using these 360 cameras to achieve things outside of vr i think it's kind of give them life that they need because yeah. it's not growing that well as far as like no nope. um so shout out to them. I think I think they're they're starting to pick up the pace on like how the general mass public is starting to look at 360 cameras uh, as just a kind of a new and novel thing that you can experiment with rather than you know uh, simulate empathy and, and just for VR and worry about motion sickness and and all the problems that we know about. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, really neat things there. Um, oh, before we end it, I want to, uh, I, I've been talking with, uh, SciArc, which is a nonprofit actually that they specialize in, in capturing historical, uh, like world heritage sites and preserving them and 3d by 3d scanning them, uh, either with photogrammetry or LIDAR or other methods as well. Um, so their mission like really resonated with me because like what I was doing this summer in Armenia. Um, so I'll, hopefully I'll have one of their directors on to talk. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about, you know, 
probably a lot more about photogrammetry and and <laughs> how important it and is to capture these sites. It. Yeah, so that's going to be really neat. Uh, we haven't set a date date yet, but I'm excited about that episode. No, but we have a lot of exciting guests coming. So hopefully, the professor from Hamburg. Hopefully, my professor. Hopefully, the guy you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. We've got a few other game. Uh, oh, we want to have the Gnosis guy to be also on our podcast once. That's right. We'll talk about that as well when we have. Yeah, Rob. Else. Rob will also hopefully be here. He has a very unique approach to VR, and I would like to discuss it. Yeah. Um, awesome things. And I, yeah, we'll 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 fill in on the details more as we get them. Hopefully, with the bigger yeah, exactly. episodes, we'll announce if we're going to be doing a live stream, so you guys can listen to it ahead of time, or you know, you can schedule it ahead of time. Basically, that's where we are, and I. We we yeah. kind of stopped streaming uh, a week or two ago just because it was getting a little bit um, hectic when I had to like host and yeah. produce the live stream where like it was ki- like trying to make sure the stream was running and like keeping up with all of that was just detracting you know cognitive resources from me from hosting yeah. the show and and actually like following up the uh, with interesting questions and and even listening sometimes. Um, so I think the pod sticking to the podcast format is probably going to work best yeah. for us for now. And that's what you will definitely rely on. We will have the audio out. And then from time to time, when we have really exciting guests, we still can do the live show. Right. However, it's not only the cognitive demanding part that Alad cannot really focus on the interview anymore. It's also that, yes, you just figured out he's a very busy man. And I am sometimes also, and I'm not lazy, busy. And that means we are everywhere in the world. And VR and stable internet connections are some things that are not necessarily something that <laughs> uh, is growing on trees. <laughs> so right. sometimes uh, getting a stable connection stuff, sometimes getting a proper headset stuff, sometimes combination of those issues and that just adds too many problems that distract from having a nice conversation, right? Right. In addition to the fact that you need to manage it. So, you know, yeah, that's how it is. That, that is how it is. I Hopefully from OC4, maybe I'll, I can do like a mobile live stream maybe nice. with some of our audience phone. as well. That would be really neat and just kind of like document our faces. Um, we're still using big screen to meet up and, and actually do the podcast. I think it's really neat. Um, it seems to be working really well with like the gestures and the cues that you can get. Yes. Um, and we might record it. Uh-oh. next time. That's right. All right, guys. Um, thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you have comments, suggestions, uh, or complaints, hopefully no, no complaints. Uh, not let us know on Twitter at research VR cast on, on Facebook at research VR podcast, and, or you can email us at research VR cast at gmail.com. Um, if you have new suggestions, if you have suggestions, if you have, uh, things that you're working on or even research that you want to talk about, definitely use those channels to let us know uh, i want to thank mr peter leckoff for being here again um i want to thank i want to thank you for moderating and making it possible thank you i want to i want to thank uh my father nurses balabanyan for making the intro yeah. actually and um and i want to th- thank the rest of the world for being cool people and uh and helping the advancements of the human race all right guys <laughs> thank you and uh oh goodbye <laughs> Hack each other, love each other. That's, right, that's, what, that's how we should do it.